Yeah. So, I mean, this is what life is about. You know, you, you do things, you try to get opportunities, create opportunities, and then you give back so that you can be someone's opportunity. Hi, and welcome to May Contribute a Verse. I'm Brenna Jennerette, children's lit author, mom, rock climber, and co-host of this podcast. My co-host, Josh Munkin, is a children's lit author, dad, and science communicator. Today's guest is Valerie Bowling, and her philosophy, to be someone's opportunity, is a motto we could all use a little bit more of. Today, we got to talk with her about how she puts this into practice in her everyday life. Valerie is a true networker and connector. I hope you enjoy her episode as much as we did. Here's Valerie's verse. Valerie, before you came on, we were just talking. We were like, oh my gosh, like Valerie is kind of a powerhouse. Like you are everywhere. I mean, you are so engaged, I feel like, on social, well, on Twitter. I'll be specific. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, the others I'm not so good at. Yeah, I mean, same. But I mean, also you have, you have, so Let's Dance is out. And then there's, is, is it Ride, Ride, Roll, Run? Oh, together we ride. This is, yeah. So this is number one. Okay, this let's is dance. Number yep. two, even together though I ride. And, and ride, roll, run comes out in October. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yes. the cover reveal is out, but I don't have any of the books yet. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And I was also telling Josh. So I saw this somewhere, and it might have been twelve by twelve. I can't remember. But you are also teaching a picture book class. Is that right? I like am. the basics of? I tried to get into that class, and I could oh. not get in. So good for you for having it be full. I mean, that's awesome. Well, actually, the basics one isn't full. So I don't know why I have maybe because I'm teaching two this spring term. One oh. is a more advanced, like for people who already have manuscripts and maybe have taken other classes, that's craft and critique. And then the basics one has five and they allow, Westport allows up to seven in a class. So I wonder if it was like, I was past a deadline or something, or do you do a middle grade book? No, no middle grade. Okay. No. Okay. There was something because I looked at it and I was like, oh, shoot. Like I just, you know, like I just missed it or something. But anyways. I'll teach again in the fall. I'm going to take the summer off. So I'd love to have you in class. I mean, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'll be like, I know her. Be like, hi, Valerie. Hi. We're just going to, we're going to get it all for free in the next 40 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why, what's behind the classes? I mean, I know you're a, you're an educator. But what what started the process of offering classes in picture book creation? So quite frankly, I had taken classes myself. I had taken two classes at the same place. And the instructor is absolutely lovely. But the classes were for all children's book writers. So the first time I took a class, I was, there were only four of us. So it was a nice small class. Two were middle grade authors, one was young adult, and I was picture book. And so I didn't know what I didn't know at the time because it was my first experience. But in retrospect, I realized I was not necessarily getting the targeted instruction I needed around picture books. And some of the feedback, some of the critique I was getting was leading me in a path 
that was away from picture books. It was more aligned with novels. And so that's why I said, you know, they really need a class devoted to picture book writers only because each genre is so different. And it's the same thing when you're in a critique group that you want to be in a critique group with other writers who are studying and writing in the same genre. So that's why I I went to them with a proposal and um, the director actually said, oh, this is so wonderful because we'd been thinking the same thing that we needed a class or classes that focused solely on picture book writing. Wow, that's that's awesome and so proactive. I feel like I would have gone the other way and been like, you know, just complained to my husband, like, oh, they're not <laughs> telling me, you know, anything about picture books. Like, you know, what am I going to do? This class is the worst, right? But you, you actually did something about it and like created a whole class. That's awesome. And especially not just picture books, right? But like within picture books, you also have those different facets, right? Like, are you a rhymer? Do you write quieter books? Do you write funny books? Do you like, you know, and what kind of funny books? Because those are also different. So yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible. That's awesome. Thank you. If I can compare and contrast to my own experiences with picture book writing, I'm a, I'm a cishet white male. I just stumbled blindly into it and just started submitting my first manuscript, <laughs> which is maybe not the right path. So, so kudos to your, uh, your giving back to the community super proactively and, you know, creating something that didn't exist before. Well, thanks. But I do have to say, I definitely, when I was querying, I like you and like a lot of us was definitely querying before I was ready. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And I did have (laughs) feedback from some friends, but I wasn't part of a picture book critique group. So a lot has changed. Uh, You know, I learned and I made some changes. I I, I like to imagine coming out of that first class, they had steered you in the wrong direction. You were querying a picture book manuscript that was like, you know, 25,000 words or something (laughs) completely inappropriate. (laughs) So how yeah, right. how long have you been in the in the game, so to speak, in the writing game, in a serious way? I started at the beginning of 2017. That was when I decided that I wanted to explore and see if this was something that could work for me. I wasn't necessarily about, oh, I've got to get a book published, like a lot of people do, which is great. But for me, it was more, I've always loved writing. I've always loved reading. And I'm now reading picture books to um, my young nieces and they are inspiring me to write picture books of my own. So let me just explore and see if maybe something could happen. And so I reached out. I'm a big networker. I believe in reaching out to people, you know, I also love connecting people with other people. And so I reached out to folks and it was one person who had told me about taking the class at uh, Westport Writers. And so I did that. And I was just, you know, reading a lot of picture books, because you have to do that as well. And I was writing and I started querying um, probably about halfway through 2017. So after about six months, the the two stories I'd written about my nieces, um, and they just, you know, they weren't ready. And they're still, you know, archived on the you know, the, the shelf, the shelf and, uh, you know, my, my, uh, Microsoft word files. And, um, and I actually wrote let's dance the first version after 
taking the class. So I wrote it in June of 2017 and I shared it with someone who gave me such incredible advice and I took her advice and I revised it, but I wasn't at that point writing every day. So probably, you know, like she, I think I wrote it in June and then I met with her in July or August. She gave me some feedback and then it was time to go back to school And so I probably was working on it in December even, I don't remember, but I know that at the beginning of January of 2018 is when I started querying. And I actually got an agent's interest in February. Oh, wow. But what happens, of course, and again, at that time, I didn't know what I didn't know, is that an agent who's interested will ask for other manuscripts. And when I sent her the other two manuscripts, the ones about my nieces, she said, you know, I foresee a harder sale with these, so I'm going to pass. So then Let's Dance was discovered. I was doing Twitter pitches. And so I connected with an editor, um, Jess Negron from uh, Boyd's Mills and Kane. At the time it was Starberry Press, which was part of Kane Press or something like that. But by the time, and now they're Astra Publishing. So it's- Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, all these changes. But um, so that's how ultimately um, the book sold. And so it was a year after the first draft. So from June of 2017, first draft started querying January, 2018. And then uh, June of 2018, um, and the Twitter pitch is when it sold. Oh wow! And you you finished that up unagented, is that right? Yes, unagented. And then fortunately, I was able to sign with an agent three months after the book came out. So the book came out in March of 2020, and I signed with my agent James McGowan in uh, June that June. Wow. And did he, so by that time, did you feel like you had a couple of polished um, manuscripts to follow up Let's, Let's Dance with? Because you said you're, the ones about your nieces are still archived. Which exactly. I, I have yes. some of those too. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt that I did. And um, yeah, and we connected in an interesting way. And I had um, asked him for feedback on a story that he had passed on. And um he actually said, well, you know, sure. And what else are you working on? I'd love to see what else you have. And so I sent him, I think, two other manuscripts, but I wasn't expecting anything. And then he, you know, wanted to have a conversation and made an offer. And what's so interesting about Together We Ride is that it was during that conversation, the call, when he asked again, is there anything else you're working on? And I believe we were having a, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was a video call and I shared my screen and showed him at the time what was called Bike Ride. And that's the book he went out on submission with, not the others, which he actually had liked and thought were great and, you know, did have some feedback, um, some revision suggestions, but that's the one he went out with. So just really um, strange. And then it went into auction and I ultimately ended up with two uh, separate two book deals. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Wow. So- 
can we i need to back <laughs> what a, that's a ride so <laughs> yeah that's so so okay so you you queried james he passed and then and then you replied to him and said do you have any feedback no, that I'm glad you asked for the clarification. No, because that is something you should not do. Okay, because so I was like, wow, you can do that? No, okay. no, 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 no. So I should clarify. <laughs> I, I did skip over something. So this was during the time of, you know, sort of spring, summer 2020. We're all in um, COVID shutdown. We also have, you know, what's going on with George Floyd, Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor. And there was a lot of, uh, reaction at that time from the writing community and publishers, agents, and editors specifically saying, look, if you're a black creator, you know, we are open to your manuscripts or we're open to, you know, contact us for, um, a phone conversation or a Google meet, or you can send yeah. an all of that was going on. You probably remember it. So James was one of the people who was offering, I think it was a conversation. I don't even remember um, exactly, or you could ask a question or something. So that was my question. I got in touch and I said, would I, you passed on this. I understand okay. Would you, my question is, could, could you give me some feedback? Could you tell me what I could do to make it better? That, oh so that was how I was, I just, you know, and again, I was not looking at querying him. I didn't mm-hmm. view it that way, which is probably why it worked out that way, because I didn't even see it as that. It wasn't on my mind. It wasn't, it really, I didn't have an ulterior motive. I just really wanted feedback on this one manuscript. I'm like, if I have the the opportunity to get feedback from an agent, why would I not? That's so smart to you, you know, to use your like, you know, like hypothetical or, you know, like one call essentially, right? To like right. use it to get the feedback. That's so smart because you could have asked anything, right? But to yeah. have, I mean, then you sort of doubled down on that personal connection and then he asked for more and then, wow, that's that's <laughs> incredible. What a great story. And James McGowan, I mean, that's like a rock star of an agent. So he's awesome. amazing. Yeah. What a great really, story. Yeah. He really is. Did you- and did you, did, I'm sorry, did, just to timeline it out, did you have two separate calls as well? You got so much going on, Valerie. <laughs> uh, did you have two separate calls? Like one one from the offer of like, let's let's talk. And then the other one, which was the call that we talk about. Or did, did so the one call first, lead to the call? Right. So the first uh, communication was actually not a call. It was actually over um, a Twitter a, a DM thread. And then he asked me at that time to email him the other manuscripts, or maybe I even emailed the first one that I wanted feedback on. And then that was when he followed up and said, may I see something else? So that was how it, um, that was how it happened. So there wasn't an actual call a voice-to-voice call until the actual call you know until he made it clear that yes he was interested in um you know and and he was very clear in his email to me that he was interested in discussing representation 
So, and at that point I was, you know, I was just really, really surprised because it, it just wasn't anything I was expecting. Yeah. To your yeah, point, it probably, wow. probably pays to be forthright and be yourself and just put it out there. Right. Exactly. Worked out. I really, yeah. I really think, I really think so. So, you know what? I, while I've been on the call, I found our communication on Twitter, June 1st, 2020. Should I read it to you? Do you want to hear sure. it? Yeah, sure. We'll so, get some consent hi, from James afterwards. <laughs> what did you say? We'll get some consent from James afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he'll mind this. No. Hi, James. Thanks for offering the opportunity to answer questions for writers. I sent you a manuscript in January that wasn't a fit for you. I've since revised it, but I'm still not sure it's a fit. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to give me more specific feedback about what I'd need to do to make the story work. If you'd be willing to do so, I'd be happy to share it via email. Thanks. And he got back to me. This is how quick James is. So I sent that at 10.07 p.m. And he got back at 10.13 p.m. Can you believe it? Oh, and wow. he wrote, and then I'll stop after this one. Hi, Valerie. Thanks so much for getting back in touch with me. Your name has been on my radar recently since we share a publisher and even an editor for a brief moment when she was at BMK. I'd love to reconsider and see more. Would you like to email me at, he gives me his email address, would love to see what you're working on, smiley face emoji. So <laughs> <laughs> then we had a, a bit more of an exchange and then I sent it to him. And um, yeah, so it's been, um, yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a good thing since then. Yeah. The, <laughs> I just want to point out the running, the sort of running theme for Josh and I for this podcast and, you know, how it started is just, you know, if you see that opportunity or it, it presents itself, like just, you know, just go for it. Like do whatever it takes, like trust your gut and just sort of jump in because most of the time it, it ends up being a good thing, you know? And if it, if it doesn't lead you to anywhere, you know, no big deal. You're just where you, where you started, you know, you're not losing anything. Wiser I mean, that is a great, yeah. yeah, that's a great example of just, I love that you just went for it and you were like, look, I just, can you please just tell me like what, you know, what was up with this manuscript? Cause that's like a dream, you know, right. you send it off into the abyss. You get all these like form letters back. It wasn't a right fit. I, you know, it's not good for my list right now. I didn't fall in love with the way I want to. It's like, give me more, <laughs> tell me more. Like what, what does that mean? You know? Like I can't, I can't revise based on that sort of, you know, retort. It's I, you know, so that's, that's incredible that you got, you got this like one magical wish to like ask the agent, you know, like what, what did you mean by this? Exactly. And, yeah. you know, that really is the way I go through the world. I told you earlier that I'm a networker and I'm also a connector. I like to connect people with each other. And so I'm not shy about asking for things. I mean, it's interesting. I don't ask for money. I don't, even with my books, I don't ever ask people outright buy my book. Um, I'll say, ask for it at your library or, um, you know, if, if you do read it, if you do happen to get a copy from your library or wherever, 
you know, it would be great if you'd write reviews. But um, when it comes to just asking people for, you know, questions or things that they might be able to help with, I believe in doing that. And likewise, I, I'm that person for a lot of other people as well. A lot of people reach out to me with questions, and I'm always happy to answer. Um, people will DM me about something, and I always respond. So I just think that's the way we learn. And I believe in taking advantage of all opportunities. I attended a webinar yesterday about marketing and publicity done by Margot Wood. And at the end of it, she mentioned that she was open to questions. And so I found her on Twitter and there was a question I had because they didn't have enough time for all of the questions. And I wrote her a question and she wrote me back. Or, you know, I've applied for mentorships. I've applied for fellowships. I've applied for scholarships. Anytime there's an opportunity, I mean, I told you Let's Dance was found because of a Twitter pitch. So there are a lot of people writing, but they're not taking advantage of all of the opportunities they can. And I just really believe, go for it. Are you going to get everything every time? No, but you're definitely not going to get it if you don't try. And just because you don't get it this time, when I applied for a We Need Diverse Books uh, mentorship, my first year, I didn't get it. But my second year, I did. And now two years later, I'm a mentor for a mentee. So oh, I didn't know just, that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what life is about. You know, you, you do things, you try to get opportunities, create opportunities, and then you give back so that you can be someone's opportunity. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that full circle. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I have an amazing mentor. Um, she actually emailed me yesterday asking me a question about something. And then, and my mentee the tables have turned. Is, yeah. And my mentee is incredible. So it's just, um, it's really, really wonderful. It's time for a cookie break, when each episode we each do a bite-sized review of a book we loved. This week, Josh chose Jess Hernandez's book, First Day of Unicorn School, illustrated by Mariano Applebaum. It's a double whammy aptly covering anxiety and imposter syndrome, and like the best picture books, serves both as a fun read for kids and a helpful reminder to parents that we're all doing our best while feeling weird about it. For me, I know Sean Harris's book, Have You Seen a Flower, won a Caldecott honor this year, but in my humble opinion, I would have given the honor to his other 2021 release, Doing Business. I prefer the dry pot humor of animals doing their business in suits and ties. What can I say? It's just good business. Check it out. Check the show notes for the links to the authors and illustrators and where to buy the books. Make sure to get your own reviews or library requests in, and if you really want to cover all your bases, enter those reviews and requests into the monthly Chewy Reviewy drawing. And remember, reviews and requests are the number one thing that can help an author's sales. And now, back to our show. I'm just curious how how you yeah. find balance. Because I I mean, I, I ask with vested interest because I believe in exactly the same thing you do. Say yes to every opportunity you possibly can mm -hmm. because it can only open doors <laughs> for you. I mean, you know, we have yet to talk to a, an agent that on for the podcast that gets me, you know, agented. But I, I believe in having <laughs> those conversations because even if even if it doesn't work out for me, maybe somebody else will, will learn something, um, and it's worth the investment in time and energy um, to put into that. 
So yeah, I think each person is different to thine own self be true. I am a person who has a lot of energy. I always have. I get very um, fueled by doing a lot of things. I'm I'm task oriented. I like to be productive. I need a project to work on. Um, so for me, it works. But even for myself, there are things to which I will say no. If it's something that I feel isn't a fit for me, or really I just don't have time for it, I don't have an issue saying no to something. But I may say yes to more than the average person. Um, but that's, again, that's that's what works for me. But um, as I said, I, I am, I'm honest about it. So I don't worry about that because I think um, about deluding myself. I think if I felt that way, I would pull back and say, you know, I've got to stop this. Like one of the things I know, I, I have a full-time job and I know that I will not have it much longer. You know, I, I'm, you know, a couple years at most because I do need to be able to give full time to my other career, to my author career, because it is a lot. And especially because I have a number of books coming out, I'm, you know, constantly hearing from editors. Like after I, in this podcast, earlier this morning, I was reviewing a manuscript for a private client. And then later I have some edits that I have to make on book two of my, uh, and book one isn't even out yet, but they're all coming out <laughs> next year because it's with Scholastic. It's an early reader series. And I have That's revisions right. that I need to make on that for an editor. So it's just, there's always something. So it, it's a lot. Can you, can you tell me the name of the early reader series again? I feel like it's on the, it has something to do with glitter. Yeah, it right? was, yes. So it was first, and all of my titles keep changing. <laughs> so yeah, that happens. It right? was Zoya Glitters. Actually, when yes. I turned it in, it was Zoya's Colors, and then it okay. changed to Zoya Glitters, but now it's Rainbow Days because oh, I guess okay. Elastic said something about they, and you know, I trust them. I, I don't know how they do their research and their title research, but something about yeah. having, which actually is not what I would have expected, but having the child's name in the title isn't as appealing as not. And oh, so, yeah. So anyhow, they came up with um, Rainbow Days. There were some other titles we were looking at. Actually, the editor and I had another one we really liked, but um, this is what they came up with. And so, you know, okay. I trust them. And so this is this is what it's called now. Scholastic, if, if anybody knows how to sell books. So, right. yeah, right. I'm sure they've done right. their homework. I'm not arguing with them. If yeah, you think right. this is the title, okay, we'll, <laughs> well, go, go, we'll go with it. Well, so to sort of tie into your your networking and giving back and all of this stuff, so I saw um, our critique partner, and I believe she is your critique partner as well, Lindsay. Um, yeah. She, yes. So she, oh my, Valerie, she speaks so highly of you, like all you know, and she is always promoting your stuff. Like she is just, she She's can't say no good things. Yeah. So, anyways, I think she was the one who posted on Twitter about 
Zoya's glitters or yeah. Zoya glitters. Yeah. Anyways, I saw the word glitter, which I mean, I love. That's I mean, that just says it all, right? I and know. I like, <laughs> I'm like, That's I, why I don't know why you changed it, but I do have to trust that yes. it was really tough to give that one up. Yes. Yeah. I would have thought the same thing. I would have been like, no, can we just call it glitters? Can we just right. call it that? I mean, cut the name if you have to. Right. It's like- well, all the promo says Zoya glitters in rainbow days. You find, find right. a way to sneak there it out. Right? There we go. But um, yeah, but I mean, that, you know, sort of brings it full circle. Like I knew about your book because you had, you know, you have networked and you have critique partners and, you know, all these people in these different places. And then we cross paths. And so I heard about that book and now it's on my radar. And I just, I love that so much because you, you are a connector. And I, I see that on Twitter, even though, you know, this is the first time I've spoken with you directly, you know, besides email or whatever. I, I know that about you without knowing you personally, because I see you, I see you everywhere, you know, like you've got stuff coming out, you've got the classes, you know, people are always like promoting you because they are so pleased to give back because you are so generous. So I just, I love that so much. And the other point I just wanted to make really quick about the kid lit community and just sort of putting yourself out there and taking these opportunities is there was a thread recently from Justin of PB chat talking about, um, you know, how things, can or there was somebody on there who asked him a question maybe he was involved and I can't remember the the details but there was somebody who wanted to know you know I'm a picture book author I want to get started I don't have a lot of money where can I go like what are the resources I need you know where should I spend my money and Josh and I were both on this thread you know and sort of shouting out people and programs and chats and whatever that are for free you know so you can you can take advantage of a lot of opportunities that do not cost a lot of money. Like you're saying, you know, with the mentorships and applying for um, scholarships and all of that kind of thing, you know, like if you, if you have that opportunity, definitely, definitely go for it. Cause it can really pay off in the end. So I guess that was, that was just the point I wanted to make. And also that I'm so impressed with, I mean, you do everything and then you also are very good at drawing these boundaries. I find that very hard. I want to say yes to everything. And then I, I'm like overwhelmed and like drowning and I'm just like, no, 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 it's cool. Like I'm totally fine. And it's like, no, you're not, you're really not. You need to like say no. So yeah. And as I said, it's different for everyone because everyone has their limits and what they're willing to do and not do. And a lot of people in this industry are self-admitted introverts. And so, you know, I met with someone recently and I I won't name the person, um, but because the person may feel this is too personal to share, but who said, you know, I really don't like doing school visits even. It makes me uncomfortable. I feel that if a class or a group of students were to go off the rails, I wouldn't know how to get them back. Um, but with adults, I'm much more comfortable, but also I really just want to write. I really don't want to do all of the other things. And there are people like that. And my response back to the person was, I get that. I understand that. But for me, the two go hand in hand. It's the writing as well as the community and being with people and sharing my book and meeting people like that's just who I am. That's my personality. So that feeds me as well. If someone said you can just stay in, you know, a room all day or whatever and write and do nothing else, like that just wouldn't be enough for me, you know? So totally. um, drives you so crazy it too. just, again, yeah. it, it has to be about 
each person's personality and what someone can handle. I know someone said for a school visit, if you book an all day school visit, they said, you know, three or four classroom visits should probably be your maximum. Mm. But for me, I look at it and I'm like, I can do five or six as long as you let me go to the bathroom because I drink a lot of water. I need my bathroom break (laughs) and I have to eat. You know, I need a lunch. But other than that, I don't need like a period off, a period off. If I'm there for the day and I'm supposed to meet with students and so forth, why would I not want to do that all day? But that's right. right. But I know there are people who do things and three or four would be their limit and they would come home and they would want to crash. They would be exhausted. And I'd come home and I'm like, okay, let me go for my walk and reminisce on this wonderful (laughs) day. And then I'm going to come home and teach at night or whatever else I'm going to do. Um, It actually energizes me. But for some people, it's, it's draining. Yeah. So you just have to know yourself and, and be honest and do what works for you. And what doesn't work for you, don't do it. We talk to, <clears throat> we talk to a lot of, it feels like, a lot of day job educators about the books that they're putting out into the world. And I, I wonder, I mean, we that's this question of another author just today. I wonder if with Let's Dance or, um, you know, Together We Ride or anything that you write, if you do that with the eye of an educator, and with the intent to teach that and have kids dance in person. And if you think about your books as like, I'm going to read this at bedtime, or I'm going to read this in a school visit or in the context of a classroom. Do you write that way? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think I'm that intentional. I think the ideas come to me. And then when I write them, I realize how they can be used with kids or how they can be used in a classroom. But it's not what first um, sparked the story idea. I mean, I will say the story ideas are themselves are sparked by children, um, by my experiences. As I said, even back to those first two picture books, you know, and you know, in which my nieces were the main characters. One, you know, my niece Zora was featured. The other, my niece Anya, was featured. Um, and I even used their names in the stories. Um, for Let's Dance, it was just noticing that kids love to dance. Zora and Anya, certainly. But whenever music is turned on, people just like to dance, whether they're little kids, whether they're medium-sized kids, whether they're, you know, young adults, older adults. And, and I like to do things that as I said, community and connection. So dance is a way we can connect. Um, This was not supposed to be a book about dances from around the world. That wasn't how I had written it. I did have different dances in there, but it was the editor's vision who was able, she matched my words to dances from around the world. So I, you know, tappity tap fingers snap, I thought was tap dance. And she saw that as that can be flamenco. So there was only one um, dance, cuckoo dance from Guinea, West Africa, because that was a dance I'd done in college that was a dance from another country. But the others were all, um, you know, were just different types of dance. Uh, for Together We Ride, it's, I got the idea for that because of all the kids I saw riding bikes 
during the COVID shutdown. You know, my husband and I would go out for walks every day after our day of distance learning. And we saw all these kids and one girl in particular, we watched her evolution of learning how to ride a bike. And, and yeah. And her mom said, yeah, it's because we're home and we're outside all the time. And that's why she was able to learn how to ride. And I don't even know if she was five. I think, you know, in some of the interviews I've done, I've been saying she's five, but I think she was actually four. Um, but so, and so, so they sparked ideas, but it wasn't that I was saying, oh, I'm going to write about this because then it can be used in the classroom this way. Or yeah, when a parent reads teachable, it, the parent can yeah. do this. But now that they're out, I do think of those things because as an educator and as someone who wants to share these books, I do need to have the angle. So for Let's Dance, the angle is natural, stand up and dance. And I was promoting it as a distance learning movement break, you know, when everyone was in shutdown. And oh, even good now, marketing. Yep. Yep. Even, and even now when I go to schools, I'll say to kids, you know, if the teachers allow them to stand at their desk, because, you know, we're still distancing or they can even sit and do the movements and with together we ride i i envision um you know maybe not so much movement even though you know you can kind of move your arms this way and your legs um in the motion of a bike but i think it's things about what other first time experiences have you had or what's something else that's been difficult for you that you've kept at it and you've overcome you know you've succeeded and how has that felt or you know i think it'll be those kinds of things and and lessons in resilience and hopefully for parents knowing how important it is for them to be cheerleaders for their kids. You know, there are some parents who are very good at that naturally, and there are some who just aren't. They themselves may not have had parents who were cheerleaders. And so they don't really do that for their kids. And it, it really makes a difference um, for a child's success and just, you know, their overall mental health to have, you know, adults who are there cheering for them and supporting them and believing in them. Yeah, that is a universal theme for sure. I mean, you can, that is a very teachable book. You can do that in any number of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes a book like Together We Ride more transportable thematically. Yeah. It's a 30 word book. Let's Dance is 60 and uh, Together We Ride is 30. You know, how few words can you use to uh, tell a story? Oh, Valerie. It's incredible. I'm very, a, very uh, few. <laughs> I'm a, I'm I'm a writer's worthy. writer. I'm not worthy, yeah. Valerie. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, Brenda's got a manuscript that I've read that's maybe a dozen words uh, that'll appear on the written page, which is pretty impressive, but I'm like a 600-word manuscript kind of a guy. So kudos to you. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can do what you awesome. do. Because you know who else? Cheryl uh, Klein of Lee and Lowe, and that was a book I looked at. Her book Wings has 12 words, and I was it's oh. one word a page, I think. And I was wondering, can I do that? And I didn't get, you know, I didn't wasn't able to do that few. But it's fun. It's just, again, I told you I like to have projects, and I like to challenge myself. So this one was you know, how few words can I use? And all of the words have the same end rhyme, except for one cheat. So they all, all of the words rhyme with ride. Oh so it was just awesome. a fun thing to do. 
Yeah. No, I love that. You answered one of my questions, which was like, or maybe my own misgiving is like, as an author and not an illustrator, I feel like I have to prove prove myself with using as many words as I possibly can to get the story across. (laughs) You're being a writerly writer by being concise. And that is very respectable. (laughs) Well, I have longer manuscripts too. They're just not out yet, which I wish, you know, some of them could be out because while I enjoy these short rhyming texts, I don't want to be known as only being able to write, you know, Valerie Bowling just write short rhyming texts. I have other manuscripts. I have, I think, seven or eight other longer manuscripts. But because of these other books coming out and contract language and things like that, they're in a holding pattern. They're in a queue. Uh, James told me, he said, Valerie, you don't have to write any picture books for four or five years. You're sad. But because you can really only put out one or two a year. Right. You know, you don't put out five a year or even four. You, you can't. I mean, maybe if you're Kate Mesner or Jane Yolen or Jackie Woodson, of course, but right. um but you that's just not the way it works. Yeah, publishing is publishing is so weird. It's so there's so yeah. many layers that I feel like I still I still just do not understand, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm yeah. learning constantly. I'm learning all the time. And that's why I said I took that um webinar yesterday and there were some things that I learned there. So, um it's just always good to stay in the sort of learning lane, never think that you know everything. Um, Julie Headland, actually, I don't know if you've seen it, and if you haven't, you'll have to look at my um, Twitter, but she made a TikTok video playing David Bowie's Let's Dance and using pictures from my book, Let's Whoa. Dance. Oh, that's so awesome. Awesome. We'll I mean, find it and put it in the show notes so okay. people can yeah. see it. That's I mean, rad. It's just like, oh my gosh, I would have, you know, talk about learning. Now, I don't know if I'm going to pick up TikTok because I'm also in a couple groups that have Slack channels and I feel so badly. I'm like, I just, I can't do it. So see, that's where I say no, even though I know I'm missing out on things, but it's like Twitter is where I live on social media. And that's also where I'll boost others. I do have a Facebook author page and Instagram but I only post my own stuff there because I'm not, I'm not really using it to engage. Um, and also I don't really know how to share easily on Facebook and Instagram. So like I'll put stuff there, but then I just kind of walk away. But with Twitter, I, that's so like to have to do Slack or to have to do TikTok or it's just, those things would just take up too much time. You, well, you you owe Twitter anyway as the platform that got you your agent and subsequent book deals. I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that was a perfect segue, Valerie. I was going to say, you know, please tell everyone where to find you. And thank, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. And I know we didn't talk, you know, in depth about some of your books, but I feel like this was such a more meaningful conversation about sort of the background of you know, just like how you live your life and some of your philosophies and just the way you go about things. And, you know, I, I myself, you know, got a lot of, a lot of great takeaways from it. So I wanted to say thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Brennan, Josh. I'm so 
happy to be here. And yeah, every interview should be different. And I know sometimes a lot of the interviews I do um, for bloggers, they send me the questions in advance and then I'm writing the answers, right? So I also have time to go over them and make sure they're okay. And I also do send them to Lindsay because she's not just my critique partner. She is my writing partner. We are in touch multiple times every day. Um, oh, she is like, she's the best. She's, she's a love. She is an incredible person and the person with whom I'm in more contact with than, you know, as much as, or maybe more even than my husband. <laughs> um, but you know, she's just, she's, she's incredible. Um, I, yeah, I can't say enough good about her. But um, so those are one type of interview. And if people want to know more about the books and so forth, they can read those interviews. And I do keep my website updated. So I'll start there. My website is ValerieBowling.com. And um, that on the media page, I put, you know, my interviews are there and all of that information so that's a good place to find me. Twitter, as I said, is where I hang out most often. And I'm at Valerie underscore bowling. And then um, Instagram is Valerie Bowling Author. And uh, the same for my Facebook page, Valerie Bowling Author. Oh, perfect. So that's are, easy to find. Yeah. So those are places uh, people can find me. And if they go on Twitter, even, and I have a link tree, they can click on that and it'll give the link to my website. And um, so all the, all the info, all the info is there. So it's been a pleasure to be here and chat with both of you. I, I thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been fun. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind their cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmontgords.com. See you next verse. Bye.